0: This time on Know Not the Mind Probe, episode number sixty one, the story behind the story.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Know Not the Mind Probe. Pop, pop, pop. A little reference to the sydney Newman. I love Ooh. that. Pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop, pop. Uh, I don't know if he actually said that, but we'll, we'll get to that. um But whether he did or not, irrespective <laughs> of that, this is still a podcast uh, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant, and I'm a lifelong Doctor
0: Who fan. I have been watching for 37 years, people. And my name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 25 years, year or so ago. I finally said yes. Woohoo. Yes. Big day. Uh, each episode of this podcast, we'll look at, we don't know the exact day that I said yes to this. We'll have to, no, it's we'll true. Have to go we'll back to emails know. and texts. That'll be lost. Well, when, when the historians <laughs> yeah. dig up this podcast, and they dig up <laughs> and they're like, Mike. why are there so many episodes no one was listening to it? <laughs> well, they'll have to dig up my Apple ID password, and yeah. they'll have to get into my messages. Archives. I imagine they'll, they'll worked out how to do that by then. Well, each historians. episode of the podcast, we look at two yeah. stories. We're yeah. going through the new Doctor Who series in order. New is such a relative turn. It is new. The episodes it new. of it that it's have been newer. made are new. So that's yes. true still. It is newer. And then our director, sommelier, sommelier John, uh, who, whom you just met, mm. uh, pairs that with, and normally I say with a classic story, but this is more a story about the classics, yeah. about the yeah. classic here. This is a yeah. unique one. So tell us about what we have in store this episode. Well,
1: first of all, um, no, uh, no big news uh, in the past couple weeks for the most part, except of course hmm. that I met Sylvester McCoy uh, <gasps> last weekend. Yes, Can we get a uh, picture.
0: Can we put a picture up on the monitor I, here. I will. I will get a
1: picture up on the website of me and Sylvester McCoy. I am, I am two feet taller than him. So uh, how many doctors is this now? This is number three. So I met the second doctor when I was very. Very young. I met uh, Peter Capaldi for a photo uh, about five or six Which years ago. Which then that started. is on the website. Yes. And then now Sylvester McCoy. So I've been able to update my phone lock screen. I only do most recent doctor pictures on my <laughs> phone lock screen. So it's now a piece of Sylvester McCoy very charming
0: did the Trouton picture make it to the lock screen because uh, no
1: no in fact yeah. i i need to get the, the Trouton pictures are in an actual photo album in my mom's house like i mean they are you know mm. like like you know those old like sticky backed photo albums that you're like oh, your grandmother yeah. has on a shelf like that's that's what we're talking about here it was so a And when you take time. it out of the
0: album it's going to rip and yes
1: yeah, so i have to leave it in the album but i'll have to figure out some way to capture it so um yes but uh um so I met sylvester mccoy that's charming cool. charming fellow what Obviously, event was this at this is an awesome Con. This is a sort of DC uh, Comic Con. Um, so I think struggling. So the big guests were him, um, uh, Anthony Daniels, C three PO. Was there, which is kind of cool. Sean Astin, uh, from the oh. comic fame and the Goonies and stuff, was there. Um, a few other, a few other folks, and um, some folks from Star Trek Discovery and stuff like that. But yeah, sort of the DC Comic Con, the fun, lovely event. Um, uh, I do not do cosplay, but that is huge. I mean, that's half of what people go to, which is leads to wonderful scenes as you walk down the street and people in these costumes are walking in. But then also you get them, um, uh, people. It's a lovely and uh, atmosphere. People are very. There's no judgment. People are like, whatever you like. If you're dressed up as it, people are excited. They want to take your picture with you, and they think, hey, good for you. Like you are into this, and that's fantastic. So it's a wonderfully judgment uh, judgment free zone. I mean, except of course, obviously, um, uh, Sylvester McCoy came out ranting about Porter's ranking versus yeah. um Wouldn't really stop. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, McCoy's you know, really
0: up my ass about that. Yeah,
1: you know, kept kept promoting his podcast, uh, things that are worse than Porter Mason. Was, well, there <laughs> are no episodes, and he said exactly.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah,
1: so it was like, it was just, he just could not, could not let it rest. Um, It's a,
0: it's a, the podcast, it's a, it's a, it's a real thinker. It's a real art piece. (laughs) He promotes the podcast a lot. Yeah. yeah. He has a website and RSS feed for it but just nothing on it and but and he doesn't connect the dots for you either you just have yeah, to you it work it out yeah well he's he's yeah. the
1: he's the doctor he's smart. he is apparently appearing in an upcoming rob zombie movie uh, of the monsters he's going to play <laughs> igor the butler um uh, and he was commenting that he was approached by rob zombie to do this and he had to call his son because he had no idea who rob zombie was <laughs> and then it was explained to him who rob zombie was he's like oh he's great and the movie's going to be really gory and all sorts of murders and and then it's like oh no it's actually going to be a pg movie but um uh and uh, yes um, you know, obviously... Uh, folks you know apologies to everyone who has seen pictures of me with Sylvester McCoy sparking a lot of rumors of course that I am in the 60th anniversary special um you know I can't comment on that one way or another oh
0: okay so you're not
1: going to flat I, out deny it I can't it. yeah I mean you know I, I, w- I would be wrong to um he was asked uh, and he basically said he hadn't been contacted um but I am uh, my, my current speculation is um <clears throat> he might be I mean I think um so as we talked about uh, uh David Tennant confirmed uh for uh, the special because I think they were doing location filming so you that much choice but it wouldn't make any sense to just have David Tennant back right that would be sort of weird um
0: <laughs> or about, almost, uh, almost what rude about, what about Eccleston or Matt
1: Samara? well right exactly so I and and so I assume there'll be more foreign doctors I also think that they will not it would also be um um very very rude to um have the the new doctor you know regenerate into the new doctor right at the end of Jodie Whittaker's upcoming episode and then have the new doctor you know sort of on screen for two seconds and then like all these other doctors kind of come right, in right. And it's like hey we're here too and like oh this is this is a really terrible thing to do the premiere so I, I the the speculation and I I'm kind of agreeing is that you know something will happen and she will regenerate into um, a tenant or one of the older doctors or something will happen that will and, and so yes I'm I'm convinced that we're going to see a lot more doctors um, but they've only announced the ones they've had to because people get of in on location so I'm, that's my bold prediction here I'm, I'm even going to go bold I'm going to say she regenerates into Peter Davis that's what's
0: going to wow. happen uh, yeah think, so
1: Mark uh Paul write this down tell tell your your husband. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and and let, let the word go forth. That's my prediction. But today, my prediction. And oh, ha- happy happy anniversary to Porter. Oh, uh, thank Porter you. and Mrs. Probe, Mrs. Probe. Been yes.
0: married for uh, six
1: years. Is that right? No, six, this seven? is ten
0: years. Ten. Oh wow! Yeah, our wedding was ten years ago. We actually uh, got married at City Hall six months before our actual wedding reception. So John likes to refer to our wedding as a sham wedding. Yeah, right. Total <laughs> lie. Um, um. But yeah. Oh, but 10 this years. is the ten-year anniversary of the of the reception. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I was Mike and I have been together for. um uh, oh, a little over ten years. So that means I, I was, I was at your wedding. Um, I recall. Yeah, I think Mike was Mike there. was at the wedding. Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So this must have been my first intro You know, when I was first taking around my arm candy. Um, <laughs> yes uh, that's to right. show off to all of you yes and then um, porter and um, the my favorite part of porter's wedding um and all genre fans will appreciate this is that porter entered uh <laughs> to an acoustic guitar version of the jurassic park uh theme <laughs> which i think was quite lovely and now full circle jurassic world with the original cast coming out uh, uh and
0: on of course tent. that is what we're doing for the anniversary dinner uh, <laughs> we're going to uh one of those theaters where you, you, you they throw, oh they, you eat you get the sit food down they it. throw tater yeah. tots at you of course yeah Um, By the way, the Jurassic Park themed played in acoustic by famed, not, not, not the Mind Probe, None of the Mind Probe theme song writer, Johnny Marnell, who is famously not the writer of the None of the Mind Probe theme song. We
1: we referenced that quite a bit at the beginning for everyone who had no idea what we're talking about, who he was or why it would be significant. But you know what we should do is we should ask Johnny Marnell to cover Here's to the Future. I think Johnny (laughs) Marnell, Here's to the Future would actually be an amazing song. Um interestingly, at to prep for my Sylvester McCoy meeting um, which obviously one does. I studied intensively. You gotta sure. if you only get like a minute with the autograph on the picture. You gotta be ready to 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 pump out a few th- choice tidbits so that he becomes your best friend. Um he does not. But anyway, uh so I watched a great interview with Sylvester McCoy about sort of all his whole career and how he got the, the role of um uh the doctor. And um <clears throat> uh he had a great his his great anecdote was uh he was in a uh some sort of play i think about the uh he was playing um uh, uh i think uh, stan laurel uh, or stanley laurel um, and um uh one of the laurel and hardy and um uh, he learned as he's doing this play the story that apparently his, his hardy uh, hardy's um uh, or laurel's uh, girlfriend was a numerologist or you know, believed in psychic style kind of the letters of his name say hey you only have 13 letters in your name um and uh uh you know maybe that's bad luck and so um he beat stan i think became stanley or i'm not sure exactly how to count but anyway he changed his name to add more letters and immediately after that he he met oliver hardy and rocketed to fame and sylvester mccoy at the time was appearing as sylvester mccoy um huh. his real name is percy kent smith um, what? Yeah, <laughs> so he was appearing as Sylvester McCoy It was the name that he was given when he was doing this, this Traveling roadshow spring um, And he said, oh, alright, yeah, I only have 13 letters of my name So he changed his name to Sylvester McCoy And within a month, he was Doctor Who uh, So there you go, count Sylvest- name, folks
0: McCoy- Sylvester is a particularly bad name yeah, still vast. That is hard to say.
1: Yeah, and it does. It's it's got a weird the can't It's like a weird fringe kind of. You just kind of don't want to like them. No, <laughs> I'm no. Suggesting okay. Um. So anyway, uh. So a uh, wonderful, wonderful time. Uh. Happy anniversary to Porter and Mrs. Probe. Um. But this podcast right now is not actually going to be a retrospective on uh their marriage. Um. <laughs> that will be. That's going to be next episode. We're still working on. Right. We got a lot of yeah. people in the research department working on that. Um, trying to dig up the dirt. This one's going to be about um, uh, sort of origins, uh, or, or I, I think that's my linking theme. Again, this as, as yeah. does not have a traditional classic episode connection because it's really hard to find something compared to our first episode The Doctor's Wife, um, the Doctor 11th Doctor, Amy and Rory, in a Neil Gaiman spectacular. Um, that uh, introduces the TARDIS as a character, uh, and so quite quite a wild ride. Uh, and so, I sort of as we get a little backstory about the Doctor and the TARDIS and how they came together, we have uh, I paired that with an adventure in space and time, which is a, a docu drama that was made for the 50th anniversary uh, celebrations, uh, and features David Bradley playing William Hartnell playing the first Doctor. So, yeah, wrap your head around that one,
0: people. All right, so let's. Uh, let's the By the way, that was quite a preamble there. That was yeah. an eleven-minute preamble. <laughs> um, so let's uh, recap these episodes. And I said, as I said to John in the in the podcast green room, yeah, yeah, I'm try to recap these quickly so he can just get in and tell me all the interesting tidbits that are sort of in and around these episodes, but or, or stories. Both of them are very interesting. The Doctor's Wife series six episode four. Uh, This is story number 216 of the total 299 current uh, Doctor Who stories. It aired May 14th, 2011. It's a single episode and uh, John has a clip which I'll play for you now. Doctor,
2: are you there? It's so very dark in here. I'm here. been looking for a word. A big, complicated word, but so sad. I found it now. What word? Alive. I'm alive. Alive isn't sad. It's sad when it's over. I'll always be here. But this is when we And now even that has come to an end. There's something I didn't get to say to you. Goodbye. No, I just wanted to say hello. Hello, Doctor. It's so very, very nice to meet you. And that's what we call
0: On the Lighter Side of Doctor Who. (laughs) that's just a little no, bit of I fun actually,
1: i teared up when it uh when i originally saw it and even doing that recording i teared up a little it's a very sweet moment yeah um, uh very and, and you know considering that he's talking to the embodiment of a box so,
0: you know, <laughs> well of a, of a of a of a machine of a, a time box. machine so um the story is sort of simple it's more about getting to meet the, the TARDIS, who, so as we just heard here, is embodied in this woman called Idris. So the Doctor and Amy and Rory uh, get a SOS signal that appears to be from a Time Lord that the Doctor knows, Corsair. They arrive on this asteroid. It's outside the universe. He kind of talks about this a little bit. Um, it's like a bubble universe. They arrive, and then what they find out is it's sort of abandoned, and they quickly realize that uh, And when they get there... The heart of the TARDIS, the matrix of the TARDIS, is mm-hmm. gone or missing or just snuffed out. It's un- unclear. Extracted, extracted. So then, and what, what danger, they find yeah. is that the the <clears throat> the asteroid itself is is a, a being that has been drawing Time Lords there to kill them uh, for a long, a good while, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he or it has taken uh, the heart of the TARDIS. And again, it has embodied then becomes embodied as this woman, Idris, Um, Amy and Rory are aboard the TARDIS. Uh, This asteroid who reveals that their name is house uh, kind of traps them on there. And inside the TARDIS, it's sort of this horror movie of this house entity trying to kill Amy and Rory. And outside it's the doctor, Working with the TARDIS, who he knows very well, but is also he's never really met in human form. Um, they put together a makeshift TARDIS from Mm -hmm. the basically the other TARDISes been strewn yeah in the junkyard on this little asteroid where they've he's drawn time wards from for years upon years. They make the makeshift TARDIS. They get back into (coughs) the other TARDIS, and um, you know, as I often say, it's like and then they win. It's not really that important. (laughs) Um, yeah but yeah. but then a bunch of stuff happens, including they have to take the Madras, the the tardis matrix from Idris essentially has to die, but not really right, right? because the matrix then yeah goes back in continues Atari. on but her human form <laughs> or its human form dies and um so this we'll is his last time to. being able to speak to to the tardis yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah but I mean there's there seemed to be I, I, it seemed to me I don't know but um that this must have been revealing lots of things about what the TARDIS is, their relationship. Um, yeah. So I'm sure there's lots of details here that what? were kind of not necessarily new or shocking to me, but maybe to fans of a 60 year old show would have been "Wow, we've never <laughs> heard this before. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, I think it, I remember reading reviews were early reviews were like, Oh, this is
0: going to be very controversial because people were excited about it. Cause Neil Gaiman uh, no I don't right. know have
1: you heard of Neil Gaiman
0: before? Yes he's this? he's written he is um when you get into liking comics and then want to be a snob about liking comics and I don't right. mean that meanly but like when you start to read comics and you're know, like hey actually comics are pretty great and there's some amazing things. He's one of the authors that people always point to and say like you should read Neil Gaiman some Neil Gaiman written comics because they sort of transcend the form and they're actually really wonderful things. He wrote this you, lo- you get uh, in
1: through Watchmen uh, and Well everybody's Alan Moore like, wrote read that Right.
0: Elmore wrote Watchmen. He's another crazy Englishman. (laughs) Um, Neil Gaiman wrote uh, a long series of a book. I believe it was a DC book called Sandman. And they're supposed to be really wonderful. To be honest, I could never quite get into them. But I've since seen other things that he's written and read other (laughs) things he's written and really liked. Um, But Sandman was a big thing. For, and he for, wrote,
1: um, he wrote something about, well, The Good Omens was the, the thing he did with Michael, uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant did Um, uh, on Amazon. I've never read the, the book. And then I think there was a book or something about superheroes or no something about gods, actually. Right? American gods yeah yeah Somehow. um uh Mike, mr probe wrote that but i don't know um i, I don't um i'm not actually it's a shock revelation um you know pay attention to british tabloids when you're done writing about the queen oh he wrote Coraline
2: um, too Okay.
0: oh yeah okay i heard yeah that's that was a tim burton like animated movies and stardust if you ever saw that which is a completely hmm. different in tone than everything else he wrote but it's um yeah it's like a pretty fantasy movie um, yeah. over, over so, see, I'm not a huge fantasy movie. person. I, I, well, I this I mean, is we more of a light light fantasy. His <clears throat> other things are very... Actually, have you more like horror yeah. and... Um... Gothic kind of things. I, I might yeah. be phrasing that wrong, but anyway, he's a very prolific and very well regarded writer. So it's interesting. Was he always a Who fan? Was that yes? Yeah, so apparently, he's a lifelong Who fan.
1: um And uh, people got very excited when he was announced as a writer. I I was not aware of who he was because uh, I'm not a big comics person. um But um I'm not a big. I like I like the Garfield. Sure, love, love the Garfield. Yeah. Uh, I don't but, think he uh, did yeah. that one. I don't think that's yeah, one that he did. Did he do that one? I All don't right, think well. so. Um, uh, Heathcliff, I really like any, any cat any sarcastic cat one so yes we were very excited, so uh, I think looking forward to see what he would do, this was apparently going to be last season um, but it, there was a delay and uh, he wasn't able to finish it and so they pushed it to this season I think there was even some question of budgeting um, uh, it's also, uh, I don't know if you recognize the voice. It is, I'm not sure you would have, but house, the voice of the planet is Michael Sheen. Oh, uh, no. great. Michael <laughs> Sheen. Uh, and, um, uh, Again, I'm not sure it was promoted too much that he was going to be in it. Obviously, he was big at the time. He's always been sort of big, um, but um, uh, I'm glad. I actually, I, I, in some ways, I'm glad it was just a voice because I'd like to see him in Doctor Who again. Um, he was actually, um, you know, suggested he might be the next 14th Doctor had they gone another white guy, um, but that was going to probably be unlikely. But um, uh, wasn't he? See, yeah, Michael, wasn't, uh,
0: Michael. Was, wasn't Michael Sheen in Doctor Who as something? No, no, is this, no, his this his is only the appearance? only thing he's been in. Yeah,
1: this is oh. his only appearance. Um, um, and then Saran Jones, who I have not heard of really as Idris the Tardis does a remarkable job. Could could be annoying. Could be could plays it ju- plays it crazy, but plays it just carefully enough that you don't quite yeah. go over the top, which I liked. Um... Uh, it could be a little crazy. Um, the uh, fun note. So the TARDIS, the the makeshift TARDIS. Uh, so so Doctor Who's always been closely studied. I think this was a, it was Blue Peter. So Doctor Who's been closely with this kids show called Blue Peter um which is a sort of kids afternoon show and it's like hosted it's a, hosted by people and they interview you know actors and they do projects you know here's here's how you make a, a dalek out of a paper cup here's how you make a, K, a dalek cake and you know stuff for kids um it's not all Doctor Who stuff of course uh but they had a contest where they had a contest to de- design a tardis uh console um and uh stephen moffat uh, so this was also remember they they hit. a to design the monster, the off the monster uh, in right. uh, Love and Monsters, right? Yeah. Somewhere kind of thing. They said design a TARDIS, and Stephen Moffat said, "Okay, I'll, I'll put it in Doctor Who." So the TARDIS that uh, the, the TARDIS that um, they build was designed by I think like a twelve-year-old, um, <laughs> a kid who, <laughs> and the design department turned it into something real, and, and they made it, and this was very cool, um, and it works, right? It's like, okay, yeah, this is a funny little makeshift thing, and, and you know, gets a kid's design, and that's very cool, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get um, uh, um, I'll comment to two things. Uh, One thing I love uh, is a great line where um, uh, House Michael Sheen says, uh, you know, fear me. I've killed dozens of Time Lords. (laughs) And Matt Smith (laughs) uh, snaps back, fear me. I've killed all of them. (laughs) So (laughs) um, good line. Good, good, badass line. Uh, And then um, uh, you do have poor Rory dies again. Uh, Rory has died a lot.
0: Catching strays um, left and right.
1: And, it's losing its impact. Uh, and people were starting to comment. It's like, oh, good. Rory's dead again. There's a little bit of a... He does they remark on it, right? He's like, oh, you left me again. Um, and so, you know, playing that the anger. But, of course, then he comes back and he's fine. Um, Amy's a little flip through the whole thing. I, it, I think there was some commentary that she was a, a little too flippant um, throughout sort of this, or at least the early part of this series. Um, and I don't know if that's a result of Vince. We'll find out shortly um, or, or if they were... Just Character was settling down with Rory, the new dynamic or whatever. But there's some I don't know. I, I it, she, she doesn't seem to take it seriously um, all of it as she should. Um, I'm kind of know, interested do, like, a funny-
0: as, as their time goes on, um and, and like you know, now going to so for for my the new ones I've been watching. Okay, I'm on my third Doctor, but then mm-hmm. they've but then well the first one only said so, anyway. I feel like they do have this rhythm of. Much as I love Rory and Amy, I'm like yeah, I guess it'd be about time for some new companions. soon. like, it just feels like that, you know? Yeah. And it's funny to me to. how it feels like you want the companions to bounce after about two years, but then you want the doctor to stay like four or five years. Like you want, you yeah. want like them to go through two sets of companions. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's because it's like Amy and Roy are probably my favorite companions, but I'm yeah. just sort of like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, don't they probably need to get back home? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well and there's you know
1: it's interesting there is um uh there is
0: maybe and maybe this comes
1: uh, so we're going to have a companion with Peter Capaldi called Clara actually with Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi the next companion Clara and um one during the Peter Capaldi years one of the themes is that she gets too cocky right she gets too comfortable and she starts taking risks and she thinks she's the doctor basically and and like he gets concerned and it's like wait a minute, you know you're getting too comfortable with this time yeah. travel stuff like you're going to do something and die um but we'll get to that um, but yeah, I mean the the big um, uh, sort of a big thing here. So we know the the, the only thing we really know is that um, the doctor stole a TARDIS uh, and went out into the universe with Susan, uh, and and that's that was that's the origin story.
0: Um, he stole the initial TARDIS. Yes,
1: yes. He, well, he says borrowed, um, but yes, stole.
0: Is that uh, meaning so, in, in Unearthly Child, he steals it right then? or
1: No, no. So uh, sometime before then, he was on Gallifrey and, uh, you know, hanging out with the Time Lords. And uh, they were just, you know, boring. And they'd sit around and they didn't want to interfere. They had all this great power, but they didn't want to explore or interfere because they were worried you know, they'd screw up time or whatever. Um, and uh, he says, no, we should go out and explore the universe and experience these things. So he, he snuck away and stole the tart. Uh, and went off on the run, uh, and that's why they chase him down at the end in the War Games. He's that was sort of so he's been out interfering in the universe, um, and so we knew he'd stolen the TARDIS, and we knew that we knew that well interestingly we we he may he said in the past um you know the tardis is alive in some ways right um, but always in sort of a vague way like well it's a living thing and it's a super complicated machine right uh, and so maybe you know it, it seems like a living thing that should always be buzzing and humming and ticking and all this stuff is always going on um, and then there's some you know talk of oh there's tele- telepathic links to the tardis you know that, that you can that it communicate you can communicate a little bit telepathically with it or it understands and you know, but it was always sort of this back and forth of like, well, is it just, you know, this is, you know, I, I, some people, Talk to their car like that. Like, ah, it's yes, old Bessie. Uh, right? actually, Dr. Bessie is, is actually Bessie. Um uh, so this, but this really does sort of confirm it. Uh that you know, there is some sort of sentience to the TARDIS. And and a lot of the and I should say the fiction, like a lot of the the books and things like that during the, the wilderness years after the McCoy and the, the original series went off there, did kind of, in some of the comics, did suggest the TARDIS was alive. So it's not a new idea that the TARDIS is alive, but then to hear it actually talk. But then the big thing I think that some people thought would be a bigger bigger deal, maybe wasn't was that the TARDIS was taking him places he needed to go, right? That he was being directed, um, in some way around the universe by the TARDIS, which
0: was like sensing he's needed here or something like that. Um...
1: Meaning that it's the, not re- the way
0: she implied that in this episode. And that was the first time that that it's right. Been, it's yeah. Like
1: it. I he said, you never took me where I want to go. No, I always took you where you needed to go. Um, so it gives an interesting, you know, the, the sort of um, always the, the issue around or is that, like, you know, uh, he, he has no control over the TARDIS, right? He, actually, we just heard that in a clip uh, from the last episode of the smugglers, right? I have no control over how this machine goes, right? Um, except when you need to have control over how it goes. And suddenly he gets control, you know, and like, you know, when it's convenient for the plot. But the idea was sort of aimless wandering. Um, But if you now give it a purpose, like it is interesting. I I compare it to, um, uh, we've talked about this in the past, but uh, um, the show Quantum Leap, which is coming back. Uh, Apparently they're rebooting Quantum Leap. I love that show. a new guy who's going to look for Sam. Um, so I'm sure Scott Becky will show up because we are in the golden age where uh, everything is geared towards our generation. And it's like I want to see 80 year old people who
0: were on TV <laughs> 40
1: years ago doing the same thing they were doing then. <laughs> That's what I want.
0: <laughs> I know it was. Um, a, it was like it took me about five or ten years into this, uh, my middle age, essentially, to be like. To kind of it dawned on me, or it was like. Oh, man, all these things I used to like, I feel like they're bringing them back. It's so lucky for me. It's like, oh, well, there's a specific <laughs> reason for this. It's right. not just
1: by accident. And we're like. running out of time. Uh, uh, so, yeah, um, uh, that's coming back. So uh, contra- I remember there was a controversy. I don't know if you if you watched the whole series, but the final episode of Quantum Leap implied that he was being directed as well. Right. He uh. goes to somewhere and there's some entity, which I think was sort of implied to be God, which gets into their whole if God could just why doesn't God just fix it himself rather than send some random guy right. to do stuff,
0: right? Because I'm um, bored. Yeah, oh, it's <laughs> it was, no fun just me fixing it's,
1: it. It's like the brilliant Thirty Rock episode where Alec Baldwin was trying to tank NBC, and one of the stories he was God Cop, and it was God as a, a cop partner, and that, that they are <laughs> trying to film an episode, and he's like, he's like, ah, it's like the cops, like the buddy, is like, I don't understand what we're doing. Why? Who are you? Do you God or not? And, and Baldwin's <laughs> like, let us pray, and it's like to pray to who? <laughs> it's very anyway. So, yeah, so, so the question of whether there's a purpose of the Doctor thing is kind of an interesting thing. It doesn't really – now, so now it's out there, but it doesn't really get revisited um, much. But you never know when it could. Um, so, anyway, uh, that's that's part one of our, our discussion tonight. So, let's just – everybody, tuck that away. Maybe the Doctor is being directed around the universe um, by the TARDIS force. That's part one.
0: Okay. All right. So – why don't why don't we move along to our second, not necessarily classic story, right? Um, story is, about the classic story. This is a an adventure in space and time. Uh, it's a classic story, but made in 2013. Yes, yes. Um. So this is a television movie. So so John will tell us all, a lot more about the backstory of this. It doesn't exist in the number of stories that we have cataloged no. for Doctor Who because it's not that. Although it, like it touches on several of the classic stories that
1: we've like watched. House. It's outside of our dimension of Doctor Who stories. That's right. There's, there's your link, people. That's there's your bubble, link, people. A bubble dimension. Can I just phone
0: this show in? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, written by famously gay Mark Gaddis. Super gay.
1: Um, and you and... can tell the gay the gayness exudes itself throughout uh, the story.
0: <laughs> yeah. And stars a bunch of wonderful uh, British actors. David Bradley, Brian Cox, Jessica Raines, Husha Dwan, Dwan, and Leslie Manville um, as some of the main characters. Let's listen to a clip of adventure. Sure. Uh,
2: whose idea was all this that fella from ITV Sydney Newman yes but so many people have been at the birth of the thing we'd be here all day tell me about the characters two school teachers Ian and Barbara. They're intrigued about one of their pupils, a young girl called Susan. She seems to have impossible knowledge for a girl from 1963. So the school teachers follow her home. But home is a junkyard. Yes, yes, yes. Scripts. I need to see scripts. Oh, they're going wonderfully. Wonderfully. The BBC are really excited about the show. I mean, they're throwing. Everything at it. State-of-the-art facilities. How do they get about? A flying saucer or something? Ours is a space and time machine that can blend in with its background. You mean it's covered in invisible paint or something? No, 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 no. It adapts to suit its environment. It gets stuck in one shape. A police box. Police box. How gorgeous would that be? An ordinary 20th-century object on the surface of an alien planet. Fantastic. (laughs) What about the Doctor himself? He's something like 600 years old. Looks like a senile old man, but he's tough. Tough. Tough and wiry like an old turkey. It's what you do so well, Mr. Hartnell. Stern and scary, but with a twinkle.
0: All right. So I'll, very quickly, um, the and this is a, this is an hour and a half movie. Um, well, yep. I'm not, well, not quite an hour and a half. Um, and it is available. I watched it on BritBox. If you're interested in watching yeah. it, it is on BritBox. But on Brit- it's... Uh, it's really Watch lovely. it legally on BritBox, folks. BritBox is a reasonably priced alternative to stealing uh, content. <laughs> That's right. You can throw that out um, Also, the torrent was going very slow, and then I realized, hey, I already own this, <laughs> so why don't I? Um, so uh, basically, we see the formation and founding of Doctor Who, the television show, up until basically when William Hartnell um, is retired. In the episode we recently saw, I forgot the name. Yeah, of it. 10th Planet. Tenth Planet. Tenth Planet was a cyber. Um, So the but the story the the characters as they show it are Sydney Newman as this new head of BBC or I guess head of BBC drama in, in the movie it almost feels like he's just running the BBC. Um, yeah, and he is is he American or he's Canadian? Canadian. Yep, Canadian. And he's come over and he's put in charge of this. He's trying to shake things up. He um, gives a show to this. Uh, young woman who we've talked about several times before, Verity Lambert, Lambert. but yeah. watching the I'll show really hits you. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's this, it's 1962, probably when they first started 63, yep. maybe. And, <laughs> uh, he's giving the show over to not just, it, and they said it's the first woman who's ever run a show at the BBC. or drama The show. BBC. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and not only she's uh first woman to do it, but like, yeah, she's really young now, of course, then you see yeah, her never character. She's, um, perfect you know she's very very scrappy and kind of takes care of things and then also uh, they don't get into how this happened but um is is, is his name where is hussein uh where is hussein yes where is hussein is tapped as the first director who's also like the first indian uh who's ever directed something on the bbc too so
1: right. and, and uh, he he's gay but that does not uh, he is not out gay obviously right, until out. uh yeah for a while. so yeah just that he's actually gay uh, in real life this isn't just mark gay just just <laughs> gaying up stuff so it shows just, you know,
0: um she's about to it's really funny because she's like i'm gonna get out of this tv business like you're 24 years old (laughs) or whatever it is but anyway but she's just more she's running up against a brick wall and basically she's just like i'm not getting anywhere with this so what am i doing um so she gets the show uh they they recruit uh william hartnell who of course we've met but we kind of see him before the show in that he um just seems like he's kind of washed like he's kind of done he's done some stuff Nothing ever really that big Um, is loath to really do TV and certainly a kid's program, but kind of gets talked into it in in some scenes that I I feel like they set up too much that he needed to get talked into it. And then the scenes in which he was talked into it didn't seem like why would that have moved him? Um, Yeah, very convincing. But then uh, then we kind of get to watch the show as it is real rickety and getting up on its feet And then really takes off with the Daleks episode, which you've, story rather, um, which you've Mm -hmm. talked about before. And then it goes through, um, uh, you know, the years. He becomes a little bit more of a diva on the show. Um, He is... Dealing with some health problems throughout, which you've talked about, and we kind of see that. And then, you know, near the end, we finally see he's he's basically pushed out because he's becoming very hard to work with and just isn't able to capably do his job um as he mm-hmm. did before. Um, but he thinks he's so secure in it because it's like he's Doctor Who. I mean, like he yeah. and he at this How point. He's he a huge him? hit. Um, and but of course, as we know, he he is written out and and we get the first <laughs> regeneration and we see Fellow League of Gentlemen star, uh, Reese, oh gosh, what's his name? Yeah, as the second doctor. Yeah. Reese Shearsmith as Patrick Troughton. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Lots of really interesting stuff. So I will tell you, uh, I'd love, like, not, this isn't a biopic, but like basically fictional retellings mm-hmm. of nonfiction events. So, like, this is so fascinating to me. I, it's very one. Well, <laughs> and, and the BBC does these very well. And yeah. yeah so period pieces, they're very good with the costumes and stuff. It's fair, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's obviously a period piece and very well done, and um, and it's an interesting story. I mean, it really, it is, is, especially because as you're watching it, even if you don't know as much of the detail, but if you just know that, like, hey, this thing that they're like kicking to try to get off the ground, then goes on for seventy years, <laughs> right? Know? Um, well, and it's, and, and
1: I think the most interesting thing is too, because it, this it, is pretty close to accurate but in fact they actually um uh, i think for the sake of time and clarity they actually um eliminated um several people who were also part like david Whitaker's not mentioned uh anthony coburn like the, the people who were actually part of the funny but they didn't have time to get them all in yeah and what's interesting yeah. is that if you you know like hey how do you design a show that lasts 70 years well you obviously need a strong creative vision. Like this isn't some this isn't some corporate show. You need a strong creative vision <laughs> and a passion for it. It's like this show was created by committee, right? And it, was, and it, it, is, it is absolutely true. They needed something between, um, I believe it was Top of the Pops, which is I, I get, I think it's sort of a cross between TRL and like American Bandstand, yeah, right? Like yeah. pop music and Grandstand, which was the sports scores, like the sport, like Sports Center, basically. Huh. So you need something that kept the kids. But also it interests the dads, basically. They had this spot. Um, and it was Saturday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, Sidney Newman comes in. And he had done some sci-fi for other um, – for in Canada. And he said, I want to do – we should do sci-fi. And, and it's never clear – it's never really been uh, clear where he came up with any of it. But he just sort of s- vaguely sketched out this idea and then handed it off to people. And were like, here, do
0: this. Um, and, you know, he's and brought in the And it to be for, BBC. like, the wrong reasons of, like, we need a sci-fi thing. Yeah. for kids like it was very you know right there's no like, there's no, the like kind of like creative force
1: yeah there was no creative force it was like i passionately believe this story must be told like it's just like eh, whatever <laughs> uh and i think that's fascinating like it's again it's sort of interesting sort of questions everything you think about like how to how do you create quality art and stuff like that right i mean um it's really interesting it's, it, the um going through it uh especially i think it's probably interesting for people who don't know the story um uh you know it's a lot it's all really true like stuff like um uh you know they couldn't the art department wouldn't pay any attention to her and she couldn't get uh, his name is peter petracki they couldn't get anybody to pay take seriously the need for the design she, she finally went down there was like come on and he he just was like here fine and like that becomes the tardis right this iconic design that is still core part of the whole thing was just him being like here shut up and go away um the music was composed by delia derbyshire uh who was a a Genius basically using these very weird, not traditional instruments and like very weird stuff. The credits were created by pointing the camera at the monitor, uh, and and you know, seeing what happened. The Daleks, uh, Sidney Newman hated the Daleks, he said, No BEMs, no bug eyed monsters. This is not the kind of sci fi show I want to have. And Verity Lambert fought for them. Uh, and um, and you know, uh, he's a good, you know, if you ever want to uh, show people how to be a good, a good boss, I like his little moment where, uh, you know, she comes. It's been a huge hit, and she, you know, he told her no bug-eyed monsters and yelled at her. He's like, "Well, it's your your butt on the line if this doesn't work." And then she calls her to his office, and she comes in, and he just goes, "He's like ten million people for your bug-eyed monsters." <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> it's a great sort of moment of like, oh yeah. Um, they did reshoot the pilot, right? The, the first pilot was a disaster. Um, and they, they completely restaged it. They, they ended up had to keep going and produce, this, produce the next episodes. Um, and then they went back and, like, in episode three, it reshot the pilot
0: with new – based on feedback from, uh, from Newman. Well,
1: what um, I thought so was interesting and,
0: is – or and at least the way this was told um, and the way it got across is, like you said, there wasn't, like, some – creative force saying like this is my vision this is how it is like as an origin but then you saw everyone involved along the way really like oh i really like like they all the idea itself just sort of they all started making it and they all started becoming really passionate about it um, so there was something to it, you know, um, yeah. that just really kept bringing them along.
1: Well, and I do. I do think it is. I, I think I, 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 you know, I'm sure there's there's academic work to deconstruct this. I, I, maybe one day it will be me. Uh, but um, there is like this, the diversity of the people who started this show. Right. They were all outsiders. You know, a Lambert, a woman, the first woman producer. Well, um, oh, I think I, I I don't know for sure. I feel like his role in this gets bumped up a little because he only really ever directs two episodes uh, or two stories, the first one and one called Marco Polo and then kind of goes off to do his own thing. But maybe because of that first story, he had a lot of influence. But either way, um, well I think they also uh, just wanted
0: to show that they were picking non-traditional people like there were so many right. things that were odd about it that they... yeah
1: exactly I mean you know again a woman um, <clears throat> a woman doing the music and you've got you know William Hartnell is your is your uh, your, your lead somebody who's basically a sort of actor at the end of his career and and not um, <clears throat> not a um, uh, magic, you know, he, he so he was famous for playing sergeants. He played very, and uh, he talks about the Army game, which was apparently a long-running series where he played sort of a rough drill sergeant, and he had done military roles in movies and stuff like that. So he was somewhat known, but not like a legendary actor, but he was, people would have recognized him. Um, uh, interestingly, he does, um, uh, he does, uh, David Bradley does an excellent job playing him. I think he's very good, and, and you sort of, um, he's not, you know, if you, if you looked at him side by side, you'd be like, oh, he's not actually very, very say william hartnell but he you just he does become him anyway it's <laughs> excellent it's a very he's i think famous for the game of thrones is that right he was in that that old that thrones show who's who famous for game of thrones? david bradley william hartnell
0: oh um yes 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 yes, yes. i guess that's some, how i knew the face guy. right 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 i mean he's not a major uh, uh, rogers there's, there's lots of major characters in that show but <laughs> well that it, seems familiar to me from other things too but
1: He's in Broadchurch, I think, Um, Mm. and he's um, uh, He was also uh, Did you watch Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais uh, Show? Uh, Yes. Very good He was the dad uh, in that Um, But he's very good Um, Hartnell was a They they do get to this a little bit But, um, and capture sort of, Hartnell was a challenging Person to work with, he was racist and homophobic um uh and uh he struggled with uh um uh caroline ford who played susan that this is covered a little bit you know he, he couldn't uh distinguish that um she was a, a young, she was an adult playing a child and he treated her like a child and she did not like that um yeah, uh by the way um uh this is a um uh at the beginning when um some uh, is either very somebody pulls up to the parking space at the BBC and gets other car cop costume and says you, you can't park there yeah, blah yeah. blah that's William Russell that's Ian uh, uh huh. the, the original Ian uh makes a <laughs> little cameo and he gets the great line that's not the way we do things at the BBC uh, which is very <laughs> i think um, and then um there's a later scene where there's a mother calling to her kids uh, to come in because uh, I yeah. don't want to come in and watch Doctor Who. And that's uh, Susan. That's Carol Ann. Oh.
0: Um,
1: so they got the original cast uh, who were still alive. What about um, Susan?
0: Wait, that was that, Susan?
1: That was Susan. Yeah. Barbara had died a while ago. But
0: oh, okay. By the way, so uh, that David, was, very sweet. David Bradley, Um, how I had known him, uh, is he plays uh, a very a big role in the Harry Potter movies.
1: Oh right. He's the bad guy, right? The the bad and yeah, David Tennant no, David Tenet, bad he's, guy.
0: He's, he's... I mean, he's filch. He he's he's like the caretaker at, at the school and he's uh, just the key character.
1: Okay. All right. I, I need to finish seeing those movies. Now. I wanna make sure they're popular before I waste my time.
0: Um and then second uh, of all, I just wanted to mention because I had to look it up again, um, and I because I remembered us talking about this before, like, well, he's the like he's the oldest doctor until Peter Capaldi so I looked him up they were almost the same age he was 55 like when you watch this movie and and David Bradley may very well have been a very different age when he played this no no let's see he's 80 now so he was yeah he was in his 70s but but I mean that's what the guy looked like and I just can't when you see that guy I'm like man he looks easily 20 years older if not 25 years older than his age he looks about 80 years old he's only 55 yeah Hartnell like, was
1: not huh. in good health uh smoked no. like a chimney and yeah I mean I think you know clearly and yeah you see when you when you get to the Peter Capaldi years and you see how he bring how much energy and stuff he can bring to the role what he does um yeah does we live better lives uh than they did um and then yeah the only I, I, one I think the edit is um uh the, the lovely little Matt Smith cameo at the end um, you know them uh, looking at each other and it really does drive home you're like oh yeah this guy you know it, it took it as a lark I thought oh, it'll just be a thing that'll go for a couple years Um, you know created this legacy that's still going on right uh, you know if he hadn't been effective at it on some level there wouldn't be Matt Smith and now Jodie Whittaker and now shooty got I mean it just wouldn't have it just wouldn't have happened so it's, a, it's an amazing it does sort of drive home and that's obviously what they're trying to do for the 50th anniversary it was like oh yeah this is a pretty remarkable story Um, <laughs> and you know this is is, this is a cool sort of origin origin to it themes
0: themes 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 to very <laughs> ethereal
1: revisiting by the ghost of themes past <laughs> well
0: i was trying to recreate the uh the lovely, uh, what did she use a radiator to do the the theme? Uh, the, I'm sorry, the the Doctor Who, uh, or is that oh, the Tardis
1: is a key on a, a piano wire? The Tardis right, is a right, key, right, right. which is I also believe that is a a gun a stormtrooper's gun or something like oh. that it's a very popular thing too.
0: well we're adherents of the repeating themes here and known on the yeah. mind probe we like to revisit topics and items that are threaded throughout doctor who and all of human history but john what did yes. you want to talk about with these two episodes
1: well so the link in my head to these was uh sort of obviously origins you know you've got the, the tardis again i told you folks i told you to keep in your head that concept of the yeah. the tardis guiding right since it's, it's going back to it's always been driven by the TARDIS. um and now adventures times fills in fills in a little bit of the um sort of backstory or lack of backstory right i mean so they didn't i mean there's even that scene in in adventure time stays which is true where um if you see the original pilot you can still watch it's actually on britbox as well you can see the first take at it um that they said no do it again um and there is a line in there which is like i'm from the year 3149 or something like that and he says take that out it's too specific um and you know, we want to make this more vague and whatnot um, maybe anticipating that one day it would still be running in uh, 3149 and then people would be like oh it's not this doesn't hold up um, which is right uh, during um, I think a lot of people didn't get it which I again why Stephen Moffat is brilliant but at one point some interviewer asked him you know, when they were gearing up for the 50th anniversary um, uh, season and the special that was coming and knew it was coming it was very exciting. Um, you know, they said, so what's, what are your plans for the 50th anniversary of Dr. Who? And he he kind of quipped, he goes, I'm just going off of Verity Lambert's original uh, sketch of what she said we should do at 50. <laughs> it's all mapped out. Like, and the interviewer didn't get it. Um, but um, uh yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, how much does, <clears throat> does the vagueness of Doctor Who's origin, we don't know anything, is very little structure to the original series. Um, Is that helpful? And then do, is that, is that helpful? I mean, is that why, I mean, it seems like it's why the series keeps going. And then when you drop something like, oh, it's actually turned out that the TARDIS all along has been guiding his adventures does that take something away? There's an argument that every time we learn something about Gallifrey and time Lords and the doctor's origins, that it ruins the show or it makes the show somehow less magical or interesting or mysterious. So the whole point is doctor who, right? He's doctor who. Um, So you're not supposed to know anything about him. So, yeah, I mean, does it, is it, is it, when you when you see how it started and you see these gaps kind of get filled in, does it ruin your experience of the show?
0: Yes, I'm done with the show. Yeah,
1: okay, um, All right, good. Well, folks, this was it. Uh, 61. <laughs> we finally ruined it.
0: Um, <laughs> I think, well, I think part of the, you know, unique or, or genius construction of the Doctor as a character is that there's so much unknown about him that even when you add some known things, it's like, now I know one out of 100,000 things that are, you know, t- that could be known about this person. And um, mm-hmm. so I think it's inter- it's always interesting, but it never feels like, oh, I- now I totally understand everything. It's like, no, there still seems like huge swaths of things that you will never understand. Um, you- and that's true. I do think some of the things that like if it was really hit hard, this idea that like I took you where you needed to go, things like that, like. If people really read into that a lot, um, or if the show tipped that more, I thought that was just more of a line that was just like a clever writing line. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of meant that, I mean, we know that the TARDIS is sort of sentient in a way. Right. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just a clever writing line to say that, like, not that not that the TARDIS was like directing his every move and, and causing his life, but just sort of like, you know, I would kind of steer you... Uh, I right. would work within what you asked me to do, but I would kind of do something if I thought it would be a little better for you to go that way. I sent you that Yeah, way. Let like that I, go. Or don't be quite bound on it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it, what it felt like to me. It didn't feel like saying like, it's all been a dream. <laughs> something <laughs> like that.
1: Um, well, so, that'd be great if just yeah. in the 60th anniversary, like he just gets hit on the head. And then David Bradley is playing William Hartnell and just wakes up in the shower. And is like, oh well that was weird <laughs> I was Like, I, hey I, susan I, yeah happy, i am going to
0: episode i forget what it was but it was the only one i've seen where they were really on gallifrey and they um you actually you just referenced the episode in this podcast and I uh, the war games was, maybe war games um or yeah it was also the deadly assassin i think was on the on deadly there, assassin right? is what i'm thinking of yeah and they could have in that one said like Oh, well, hello, Doctor. Of course, and you're on your hundred-year uh, mission to catalog right. all <laughs> the species in the world, like you know, like really defined what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't. Instead, they're like, "What are you doing out there? <laughs> you know, <they're> just, <laughs> like, you're just kind of out there kicking around." And uh, so, I think they they seem to be pretty careful to when they do define things at it. Usually, when they define something about the Doctor, it seems to me so far mm-hmm. they done it in a way that expands. Uh, the character, rather than like hems you in. It's more yeah. like, more oh, opens you up always thought stories. this was yeah. a rule. Well, actually, it's kind of mm. not really a rule, and here's a new way mm. to think about it. And it kind of expands it more. Or at least those, I think, are the helpful ones. Back to that so episode, you, episode, The, okay. episode of the Deadly okay. Assassin, just really quick, I wanted to say that uh, I remember watching that one being like, oh, I'm very excited to see this, and then I remember being really disappointed by it, of just like, oh, you know what, maybe I yeah. don't want to see this. <laughs> maybe I don't yeah. want to see behind the scenes of the doctor.
1: Well, it's like the uh, it's like the the genius of Russell T Davies inventing the idea of the time war but not actually showing the time war and then just throwing in references to it like ah I flew into the jaws of the nightmare child the army of the undead and the neverwends and all, it's like oh yeah by by actually showing it you just kind of ruin the great mystery but it's interesting I wonder if there's a change in how people so um, I'm thinking of like Marvel movies now, right? You have to start with the, or- everyone has an origin story and it's this detail, yeah. like, here's what happened. And then their mom died and then they got upset and they got their hand closed in a car and, door. By and by the way, that was that's the whole movie.
0: <laughs> and then the character at most is in like, three movies yeah like one of yeah. their whole third of their time at, at best is like just that It's laborious setup right and even like even like the original star trek it just starts
1: with them on a five-year mission like fly, it's not like they had to like then then you do the new star trek uh with uh chris pine and all them and it's like okay here's kirk as a child and spock as a child and here's what happened to them and here's and it's like and i don't know I, i'm i'm wondering i don't know if this is a do we is this a thing people are demanding? Like, you know, it's like I
0: don't I can't do this without backstory people. <laughs> it's like I need well, to understand why. The origin stories are these very definitive things about the character so that you really know them as like you know they're what drives them and 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 things yeah. like that. But I just think it's tough because I think it would work honestly better and 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 Disney is starting to do this more of like get that out in the show and then. Yeah kind of can we just jump in assuming you know this person i mean they're certainly getting yeah. there with the superheroes who've been around long enough where they're like hey it's batman like you don't don't worry yeah, about we that we all like, know Batman. Just, yeah okay. but, but they get
1: his origin story like three times
0: which one batman batman yeah and right? same with and spider-man too so many they kept times. showing like the spider-man yeah. thing in different ways like there's no need for this um, <laughs> we get it but it maybe you know maybe what it is is part because
1: we are taking beloved uh, so many things are taking beloved existing characters that maybe part of that is uh, I'm going to show you that I respect every, you know, you know, all this about these characters, right? Um, And you, this has been filled in from in the past, things that you've read and seen and all this stuff that's been built around them. I'm rebooting these in a way. I'm, I'm creating, bringing this to a new medium, new actors, new, you know, want to take it in new directions. So maybe this is a way to show you, but I know, so I'm showing you, I know all the backstory and all the things and that's, I'm telling you that that's matters here and that laying down that groundwork and it's just like, it's like a sop to the fans of like, don't worry, I know what you well,
0: have invested I, in this. I maybe, but I actually think it's more that the origin stories generally were like pretty good stories of those, mm-hmm. of those characters. Like they were obviously compelling enough, to launch this like 30 year okay. arc of this character so there's that and then i think I, it may change because also i think at the beginning when superhero movies um over the past like 15 20 years were still very like you had to sell people on them mm-hmm. um you kind of had to show like well how oh this is kind of goofy that this person is a superhero dressed up like this and going around and fighting stuff so i need to show you how they got there because I need to kind of take you and then you'll then, you know, these movies, you know, how many millions of people see them. So then they're like, well, now we can just assume you all saw it because it was such a big movie Um, anyway. But I but a doctor who origin story would be terrible. Right. I mean, that would that would. Well, we saw strict. we saw what
1: happened in the TV movie with Paul McGann when they tried to bring in too much backstory, right? It's incomprehensible to anyone who should have joined. Yeah, um, and yeah, it is interesting to compare today's Marvel movies to the original Superman movie, which is regarded as a classic movie, and right? I remember liking it as a kid. But if you rewatch it, it's a mess. It makes really? no sense. They, um, uh, it, there's really no plot. It's just like, hey, Superman. It shows him growing up and the Fortress of Solitude and. But like the, at the beginning of the movie, because I think it was filmed, it was going to be one big movie, but then they broke it into two. And at the beginning of the movie, you see those criminals that show up in Superman 2 and they're like banished. And then you never hear about them again. It's like, why was that huge scene going on? <laughs> like, it's bizarre. Um, so, you know, yeah. But it was like, he can fly. We made a person fly on screen. So you know, deal with that, everybody.
0: We'll I mean, get to other stuff. <laughs> a little bit later than that, but I remember really loving the first the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman. I remember really loving that. I haven't seen it in years. So I have no idea how that holds up, but like, remember really loving that. Um, yeah, that that is funny though. I do remember the first. I didn't really like the super. I never liked Superman that much. So, um, yeah, I it was really. But I better. people talk about it very reverently. Like all movies made, you know, before like 1980 are all very good, and everything made like in the past five years, it's all terrible. That's what everyone <laughs> must understand. So that's just how it is. Yes, yes, that's the rule. Uh, yeah, so there you go, Margin. All right, well, we're going to move on to rankings, John. We've ranked 120 uh, Yeah, we're, of these. We are
1: crushing priorities. it. We're crushing we're, it We're right crushing along. it, like, uh, like traders in Wall Street or something. Is that what they we're do? They rank crush these, it, I think.
0: We're going to rank these two more. Yeah, uh, traders in Wall Street, they crush stuff. They, yeah. they, they crush things.
1: The economy. The economy.
0: The sure. People's <laughs> livelihoods. Democracy. Uh, yeah, The concept of financial equity. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to start off. Uh, I'll start with the doctor's wife. Uh, I like this one. It was... It's kind of a show in a bottle in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, mm-hmm. but I I enjoyed it. I ended up putting it. I I this is what was taking, I before the episode. I was saying I, I was delayed because I actually just took a long time ranking these. So I considered this <laughs> very specifically. I was going right through the list. Be like, do I like it better than that? No, worse than that? Yeah. Um. So I put it up in the top like quarter or so. I have it right behind mm-hmm. Planet of the Dead and just above Power of the Daleks, The Beast Below. Mm um i have it number 36 i guess that would be that's so yeah, pretty right? high that's a good um, one yeah I, I because yeah i i enjoyed it i liked i thought the the woman indris uh did a wonderful job and i thought it was an it was one that like one of the things that struck me was like i would watch it again because i was when i was watching it was like i feel like i'm missing stuff as i'm watching yeah this. I wanna, <laughs> like go back and watch it again. um mm-hmm. and it's funny finding in retrospect that it was written by neil Gaiman makes sense because there were also lots of things like where it was his own separate world. There were weird rules to the world and the asteroid. Yeah. There was those characters, characters on Those two characters were weird, and then yeah. nephew later, and there was just like, yeah, it was very interesting. So I wanted to watch it again. So that was good for me. Um, Adventure in time and space. I ranked pretty high because yeah. I told you I just I love stuff like this. So um, I ended up putting it pretty high. I have it ranked twenty. Oh, um, wow, All right. because good, good like it. I said, it's a really compelling story. Uh, well made. Really, very well made. The actors are all great, and I just—it's like it was like watching an an episode of The West Wing about the about the origin of Doctor <laughs> Who. It was just very enjoyable. So I ranked it. Number Maybe just turn it a longer series, like a ten part miniseries. Totally, I would love that. Would be great. I mean, and there's mm-hmm. more tons of like again, they could cherry pick from thirty years of oh, the yeah. original Doctor Who of of what went on. Um, I put it right uh, behind the runaway bride, uh, and, uh, above Genesis of the Daleks, uh, okay. human mm-hmm. nature, family mm-hmm. blood. Yeah. Yeah. But I basically just kept going up. It was like, would I want to watch this more than this. And it kind of just kept going up. I just really liked watching it. So. <laughs> Pretty high for
1: me. All right, good. I think we're, we're kind of in agreement. Um, I've got the doctor's wife also very high. I've got it at number 21, um, right behind school reunion. Cause I kind of put it in that, um, nostalgic. Kind of. Yeah. But also like emotional sort of reconnection mm. connection, kind of thing. Like, um, uh, It is. It did. I remember it did make me cry Uh, watching it originally because it was very sweet. Um, and, uh, um, but it's also just a solidly, which school reunion did as well. Um, you know, because it was significant. This meeting was significant in some level, right? <laughs> it was a big moment. Um, not one you were expecting, you know, you'd expect, oh, maybe he'll run into Sarah Jane again. No, oh, maybe he'll run into a sentient version of the TARDIS get less expected, but, uh, still well executed and, and, and meaningful. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. And I, I remember actually, uh, when I was rewatching it for this, um, uh, I remember, you know, they were, they were getting close to the end, and I was like, uh, oh, Wow. It went fast. Like I was like, Oh, I thought there'd be another 20 minutes left. I didn't realize like it moved very quickly. And uh, yeah. um, and even though as you say, there's it's there's not a ton of incident. Like if you had to describe what happened in it, it wouldn't be like this rapid fire incident. But they just whatever's happening is very enjoyable and confidently done uh, and well acted. So I enjoyed that. Um, and then yeah, I'm with you. I've got Adventure in Space and Time a little lower. I've got it at number thirty-six, uh, just below Earthshock, around Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, I think I put it near Earthshock because Earthshock is just Earthshock is a great action movie, right? This is the fifth Dr. Cyberman one with Adric dies. Um, that's like a, a great, competently done action movie. It's not maybe the best plot that's ever been on Doctor Who or whatever, but it's just like solidly done as what it is. And that's what I see Adventure in Space and Time at, right? It's just a, it's a Excellent docudrama. It gets across like these really interesting points with great acting. Um, and it's just a very well done uh, uh, version of it. Uh, you know, I, I probably won't, re- I do, of course, have it on DVD, obviously. Um, but, you know, I probably won't be constantly rewatching it uh, like some of the other doctors. But yeah, it's definitely something to revisit. Um, and it did, it did, you know, I, I remember when I was rewatching it for this, I was like a little uncomfortable in the sense that it's like, oh, I don't want to see. I remember I forgot how sad it is for William Hartnell at the end, right? Like it's it's very sad, and I was like, "Oh, I don't," and like, "Oh, but that's good." It means I'm actually emotionally involved in this. That I'm like actually like feeling bad for the character, and you know, even though I I know it, it's
0: really and you also do get to see his joy in doing the character and how it really did kind of brighten up his life for those few years like it really you know yeah kind of brought uh so it's, it's, some hope it's
1: back lovely uh, it's a lovely story and, and yeah competently told so that's that's how i get to the uh that's how i get to the old uh earth shock there um so yeah number 20 uh, 30 uh, 30 36
0: well interestingly enough mm. when i put them in the old supercomputer here uh we ranked them uh we we almost rank them in the exact same places but but flip and yeah, so yeah. in the combined ranking they end up right next to each other so 24 oh, doctors yeah. rife at 24 and adventure in time and space at 23 so mm, yeah near the tops so those those are fun ones uh now you guys can see the rankings on mindprobe.show our website you can also see the watch order if you want to um go see what we're watching next although currently the watch order does not have this episode on it because yeah somehow yeah. we missed that at the beginning um but i will update that people and, it was a lot um, okay <laughs> what's that it was a lot of effort people it was a lot of effort getting that watching together that's yeah. right and so you can what's check that, that out uh, you can also check out some of the uh some notes on the episodes uh, for for a lot of the the last few might not be on there but there's a ton of really good notes on these episodes in there and you can also reach out and a write us porter at mindprobe.show or john at mindprobe.show and we'd of course love it if you subscribe to the podcast and tell other people about it that's the only way anyone knows about this show like we're gonna keep doing it no matter what it a secret, yeah. this is basically just john's opportunity john and i's opportunity to to talk every few weeks yeah. uh, but we'd love it if more people listen to the show i mean look you can tell them hey i listen to this doctor who ep- uh, uh podcast there's 60 episodes you can listen to I yeah mean, come on yeah Come on, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe
1: you're like, "What's the point of going on with life?" But then you're like, "Oh, well, there's 60 episodes of this. That'll, that'll keep yeah. going. It could save lives. This podcast, and That's right?
0: It'll at least you, extend know. you for about a few days there. You know,
1: yeah, right. If you just kept listening, uh, um, and uh, you know, uh, you know, interestingly, so, um, I appeared as as a as longtime loyal listeners will know on the Hidden History Happy Hour with Brian and Alex podcast, um. Uh, that's been going for um a, a couple months now um and they are in the top 5% of uh, all podcasts uh in terms oh, of listeners um so that has not yet um uh, rubbed off on us i don't know how i, I maybe maybe it was you know maybe i I'd, I'd like to think that it was paul who tipped them into the 5%, right that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> without yeah. us they wouldn't <laughs> be there so, paul thank you for for doing that for for our friends over there um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, again, we're not going to tell people we're too humble to too tell humble. people how great this, uh, this podcast is. Although, you know, I did think at the awesome con, I was like, ah, maybe I should No, actually you know what I should have done. Is that awful thing that people in audiences do? Uh, when so, I went to the Q and A with uh, Sylvester McCoy, and I should have raised my hand and then spent five minutes going. Uh, I just wanted to. I am a, a podcaster. Uh, no, not the Mind Probe. dot show, uh, and then spent total time talking about. It, and then at the end, been like, uh, also, um, uh, Sylvester. But and my question is, uh, do you
0: like hats or something? <laughs> yeah, <just in> a, <laughs> just well, yes. Yeah terrible awful but what you're describing is that is how people actually find out about Uh, listen what are we what are we looking forward to on the next episode of this here podcast let's move on so um
1: we're back on to things that uh i did program correctly or i did order correctly Uh, so next up is a two-parter uh the rebel flesh and the almost a people um it's another the next line in the line of Matt Smith, and it leads into uh, the mid-season finale, um, which will come after that, obviously. Um, so, a couple, a, a, a bumper uh, double adventure. And um, since we're talking about duplicates and um, of people, uh, we're going to look at the terror of the Autons, um, which brings back our friends, the Autons, obviously, uh, which we saw in Spearhead from Space and in Rose, uh, who, uh, who you know, often can disguise themselves as, as other people. And um, uh, we also see the first appearance. Of the master, uh, Porter's favorite character, um, the very first, uh, the very first time the master appears in the very first Joe Grant uh, story. So a lot of a lot of firsts uh, in this uh, in this third Doctor uh, tale, Terror of the Autons.
0: All right, well, John, uh, it is uh, you know when we look forward, who is going to play us in the biopic Ooh. Uh, uh, Ooh. You know, about about the known on the mind probe, how it got off the ground and then rocketed to stardom. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a good question. Who would play me? I hope that I would
1: hope that in in the future of a woke casting, uh, the casting would be gender and race blind. Oh yes, and that, like that you know I might be played by um I don't know um um, um pink. Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I imagine <laughs> she, myself. Which goes
0: into drama, I was more of a Naomi Campbell. So I would mm. see myself. Well, here's to yeah. our ultimate biopic, John. And here's to the future. Uh, here's to you meeting more doctors. Like you're up to one doctor a week. At this yeah. pace, right now, you're at one doctor a week. So I think we could extend this, and you could knock out all these other doctors in just a couple I'm months. Gonna, I
1: gotta get these doctors out. Yeah, I like it. I like it. How can we? All right.
0: Who else comes to any cons? Does, Does Peter? Well, they all do your, your, They all do. Yeah, they all do. they some are
1: bigger than others, but the, um, so. turns out. So, like, to get the autograph and selfie, I paid eighty bucks. Did uh, they get that by every person? You. I think he does. Or think there, there's companies that run these things. Yeah, if you multiply that by all the people, then yeah. And so, uh, and Peter Capaldi, I think got like 100, 120 bucks. And then I, you know, I just got a picture with him. I couldn't even get it signed, and that was, you know, that was awesome. So yeah, I think, I think they come. I think they just rake in the cash. Um, uh, and you can tell, like Sylvester McCoy was excellent. Uh, excellent raconteur. Uh, a number of them we've seen, like they're very good at being engaging. Uh, he actually got off the stage and just walked around with a microphone and answered questions from people and you know like he's clearly can convey he, he answers the same questions that people the people like, what's your favorite story? And he like he still conveys like he's thinking about it and oh I, good question. And like, <laughs> so, like, he's like before you get people who are a little strange or a little not great at uh, the social interaction who ask your questions you aren't quite sure he understands and he very quickly find some book to be to, to answer to go into an anecdote and not make the person uncomfortable and not make her, so they're very good at it so they clearly enjoy and he said he his first convention was he first
0: asked the So he's been doing it for 40 years and yeah and that's the future for us and all of us and the rest of <laughs> mindprobe.show